This is a guy, you talk about taking the top off the defense, do it once in a while, right? You're pretty good. He did it six of the last seven games. He's got it! Touchdown tied! Here comes Hutchinson! He explodes through the quarterback, and he might knock a few loose in the NFL as a rookie. This kid is right up there with the most tough and most gritty competitors at that position. Welcome into the First Draft Podcast. It is our Thursday edition, and here is the drill. My name is Field Yates. I am joined by Mel Kuyper Jr., the star of the show, along with Todd McShay, who will be back on Monday. And for those that are new to the show, a couple of talking points here. We're going to have a show on Monday. It's going to be live on YouTube and Twitter and any other social media outlets that you use. And then today, this Thursday edition, is our bonus episode. So we're going to have Mel and Todd off the top most weeks. Today it'll be just Mel. And then we'll follow it up with a guest conversation from one of our very deep and talented uh, roster members of our ESPN NFL team today. It'll be our newest draft analyst, Jordan Reed. But great to have Mel Kuyper Jr. here today. Mel, how you doing, my friend, on this beautiful Thursday? Great field, I'll tell you, we've got a lot going on. A lot of teams in the NFL draft going to have multiple picks. So great opportunities to come away with a real bonanza in terms of the early portion of the draft this year. And nobody more well-stocked with first-round picks this year than the Philadelphia Eagles. A reminder, Philly traded with Miami last year in which Miami moved from pick 11 to pick 6. Philly picked up an extra first-round pick. Miami used that pick on Jalen Waddle, Philly ends up with Devontae Smith. So both teams land an Alabama wide receiver. I think both of them are happy with the results right now. Miami obviously does not have their own first-round pick this year, but they do have San Francisco's first-round pick this year. But Philly has pick 15. They also have pick 16, and that comes via the Indianapolis Colts as they traded with Indy for Carson Wentz, who goes to Indianapolis. The Eagles get back a pick that had some conditions on it, but it is indeed a first-round pick. So 15, 16, and 19 as they fell short in the wild-card round against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So they have the first pick for playoff teams, number 19. So, Mel, as we look at what the Philadelphia Eagles can and will do with these three first-round picks. Yeah, I think defense could be the, the, where they go early on. They could look at a receiver, but I think the way the draft will unfold, and a linebacker, so, well, they don't take linebackers early. Well, you think about what Devin Lloyd can be coming out of Utah. So versatile, so perfect for the way the game is played today. He can intercept passes, has a great feel for the passing game, has a great ability to get after the quarterback, dynamic performer, loves to play the game. He showed up for their bowl game. Here's a guy who has the work ethic and the talent and the production, everything you want to be a pick that, hey, may not even be there when the Eagles are upfield, but if he is, I think he's got to be in play. Okay, And then you look at Arnold Ebiquete. Was a Temple, goes to Penn State for this one season, 2021. All he did was almost record double-digit sacks in the backfield wreaking havoc. He's a great kid. He's going to interview very well. People are going to really like what he brings to the table in terms of intangibles. But the ability to get after the quarterback is something, and the versatility to play with his hand in the growing the ground, to play on his feet. He can do a lot of things that you want an outside linebacker defensive end to do. Most importantly, rush the passer. So I think Arnold Ebiquete for a team that likes that and likes to draft players early that can get after the quarterback, he would make sense. And then a receiver, you mentioned Devontae Smith, had a heck of a rookie year. 
Jalen Hurts has to improve both in seeing the field and being able to deliver throws a little more accurately, really improve this passing game and complement what they have. They get another receiver, maybe a Chris Olave from Ohio State, maybe a Jahan Dotson from Penn State. I think there's going to be some receiving options field available uh, with those picks. And they, of course, they have three all kind of bunched together at, what, 15, 16, and 19. Yeah, 15, 16, and 19, you'll often see a team picking three times in a span of just five selections. One of the biggest questions, though, will be whether or not Philadelphia should be in the market for a quarterback. Jalen Hurts did enough, I think, to merit the possibility of another year as a starter, Mel. But are you convinced that Jalen Hurts is a long-term answer for Philly, or should they be exploring a veteran quarterback or a first-round quarterback because they have the pieces in place to potentially acquire one either way? Jury's still out. I don't think you can make a definitive comment on Jalen Hurts right now. You hope the progression continues, and he, uh, but, and he's going to work hard. He's a great kid. You know he's going to put the time in field, so he's going to do necessary with Sirianni and that staff to do what needs to be done. But there were some, and they, they be, we're a run-oriented team. He's a running quarterback. He's dual threat. Sanders is a heck of a running back. They got other guys. Kenny Gainwell had a really good rookie year. Devontae Smith set the record, okay, for rookie receiver with the Eagles. All of that, great. Got it a tight end. Heck of a player. But I think to be able to see the field, go through your progressions, really pull the trigger on throws. When they're there, let it go. Throw with anticipation. Be a little more accurate. If he can work on those things and evolve into more of a passing quarterback that can also be that running threat, which he'll always be, then you got something. So I think we'll have to wait and see on that one. Do you draft a quarterback this year? I don't think so. Uh, I think, first of all, I think Malik Willis from Liberty and Kenny Pickett from Pitt may even be gone by the time they pick at 15. And I don't think there's another quarterback to consider after those two. Uh, so I think you address the defensive side of the ball. You address uh, getting another receiving entity in there. And then you go from there. But I think uh, Jalen Hurts ha- has shown the potential to maybe be the guy field. But to say definitively he is, uh, he won't be unless he improves as a passer. So if that doesn't come around, he won't be. If it does, then you got yourself a dynamic dual threat presence at the quarterback position. Yeah, Mel, I think that uh, the reality for Philly is that if they want to be flexible this offseason, they can because they have the resources to do so. They Mm -hmm. find themselves in pretty unique territory right now as they're the first team since the 2013 Minnesota Vikings that made the playoffs that has three first-round picks the following year. Mm -hmm. So we'll see whether they make all three of those first-round picks or not. But Mel has more tape to grind. Mel, we know that you are busy all year round, especially this time of the year. We'll talk to you again on Monday with so much more to cover. Great stuff yesterday with your Mock Draft 1.0 and looking forward to Monday's show. Talk to you then. Thanks, Phil. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply.
Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Moving along here on First Draft, and time for a very exciting introduction. Uh, if you follow the draft coverage anywhere, you already know this name. If you follow it at ESPN, you probably already know the name, and you're going to know it for a long time because we have a new staple of our ESPN NFL draft coverage. His name is Jordan Reed, and it's such a great honor to have you, not just as a teammate, but specifically here with us on First Draft today. Absolutely. I'm just so excited to be not only here, but with ESPN. Everybody has welcomed me with open arms. I was talking to Todd a couple of days ago. We had our formal introduction with each other. And then Mel, he gave me a two hour speech on the 1983 Baltimore Colts. So I think I'm officially welcome to the team, but I'm excited to be here. That right there is a tell. When Mel waxes poetic <laughs> on the 83 Baltimore Colts, you know you are in. Uh, so I know a lot about you. You and I have been friends for several years now, and I've followed your work, and I've learned a lot. I'm excited for others to learn a lot. Uh, but for those that haven't yet had the chance to read your initial work at ESPN, Tell us about who you are. Tell us about, because your, your career is an interesting one and it involves your own playing days as well. Yeah, so I started at a small FCS school in Durham, North Carolina, which is about five minutes away from Duke. It's called North Carolina Central University. And I played there, started for three, played there four years, and I played quarterback there. So that's really where my football background really came from. Obviously, I played football growing up, Pop Warner, middle school, high school. I don't need to go into too far detail into that, but played a small FCS school called North Carolina Central University. And I got right into coaching after that. I didn't have any pro aspirations just because I wanted to walk by the time I was 30 years old. And I went right to coaching after that. I, GA, I was a graduate assistant for two years at my alma mater. And then I was fortunate enough to get a full-time position after that, coaching quarterbacks and then also running backs as well. So was there until 2018. And then I wanted to get out of coaching. I wanted something a little bit more secure as far as job security. We know with college coaching, things could change in an instant. So the NFL draft is something that I've always been interested in, but I really couldn't press forward with it just because I was so focused on my playing days. But the great thing is that I always kept a blog, a sports journal of whenever something happened in the sports world. I just wrote something down and then I started a Twitter account in about 2018, I believe it was right when I just got finished done with coaching. And I just wanted to delete everything off my old account and then start just strictly an NFL draft account. So that's what it is now. Jordan underscore Reed um, is where you can follow me at on Twitter. My account has been the same for years now. But with that account, I started posting YouTube clips and then myself just talking over it. And I mean, there were so many prospects that were coming out that year. I don't even remember as far as the guys that I went into detail about. But after that, I freelanced for a little bit as far as writing articles for free. I got picked up by a small uh, website called CoverOne.com. I believe it's still out there now. So 
I started there writing for like five to ten dollars an article. And I wanted to get something bigger after that. So started to talk to some people, started reaching out to some other bigger websites. And I got fortunate enough to be picked up by an upstart company called the Draft Network, which is where I was prior to ESPN for two years, which is a great company. I had the time of my life working there and I was fortunate enough to be noticed by ESPN after that point. And here I am today. And you have so many of the cool sort of touchstone points of what I think is a success story in today's media. And you and I are similarly aged. So it's not like I am uh, not like either one of us have, um, you know, totally disparate paths. We actually have some similar. Well, not that I played uh, college football nearly as a high of a level as you did. And you said you were a three-year starter. I was a, a four-year bench, a two-year bench warmer, really. Uh, my career uh, far less distinguished than yours. But the idea that each of our careers started by basically starting a Twitter account and using it. And what I love about what you've done is that if you want draft or prospect knowledge or NFL knowledge, you go find Jordan, Jordan underscore read. And that's R E I D. You're going to get it. And you've worked your way up from what's the, you pulled yourself up from your bootstraps as the saying goes. Uh, and I remember great draft coverage from several years past. I remember last year being so keyed in. We had five quarterbacks that we all knew were going to be in the first round. And quarterback, I mean, you cover everybody, but quarterback is your specialty. And I remember watching Justin Fields cut ups and thinking to myself, a lot of people are saying the same things, maybe slightly different, but your coverage was unique. It was instructive. It was thorough, and that's going to be such a great addition to our coverage here at ESPN. Can't wait to have you, as I mentioned, as a part of First Draft and our family here, but also all the other content. I know you'll be doing a mock draft all the time. You'll be doing all the usual things that take place during the pre-draft process. So everybody gets smarter by finding Jordan on Twitter. And we also want to pick your brain on some of these things that are taking place in the NFL is as of right now, uh, there are what one, two, three, four teams, five teams, no, four teams, excuse me, that have multiple picks in the first round of the NFL draft. And I say that for now because things can always change, right? You could see a pre draft trade like we saw last year when we saw the 49ers make their big move up to number three. And all of a sudden, Miami's got a bunch of extra picks and then they make that pick with Philadelphia. You guys know the drill. Mel and I just talked about the Eagles, but let's talk about the other teams that currently have multiple first round picks right now, Jordan. And we begin with the Jets. And I, I know the best time to judge a trade or a draft class, or really any acquisition is like several years after it took place. But I do believe it's fair to say that the Jets trade of Jamal Adams to Seattle already looks back favorably as one of the great trades we've seen by any general manager in recent NFL history as they picked up two first-round picks as part of that deal, and now they have the fourth overall pick and the tenth overall pick in this year's draft. If you were Joe Douglas, what would be your top positions of need? Well, I think there's three directions that they could go with this top pick. You're going to see the name Derek Stingley, the cornerback from LSU, attached to them a lot. You also could go edge rusher. And then you also could go offensive line. So there's a lot of different directions that they could go with this pick. But I want to throw a wild card in there. And Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame. And I think that's going to bring a lot of reluctance to Jets fans. I know people are going to be like, man, what is this guy talking about? But just let me explain myself. With Kyle Hamilton, I think he brings a different type of skill set than what Marcus May and then also Jamal Adams 
brought to the forefront. And you get you find yourself in trouble a lot when you're reaching for need, especially in the top 10 of the draft. You want to make sure when you're selecting that early that you get players that can help you right away. And I think Kyle Hamilton definitely can bring that to the table. Now, Jets fans are going to have some buyer's remorse from the Jamal Adams pick just because they selected them top 10. And then that didn't turn out the way that they had envisioned. But I will say this about Kyle Hamilton. He brings a different type of skill set to the table than what Jamal Adams does, just because he he's pretty much a glorified linebacker. He likes to hang around the box and then he's pretty much a blitzer for the most part. But with Kyle Hamilton, he could play high post, single high safety. He can come down and play run support in the box, but also he can cover as well. He can play man coverage. He can play zone coverage. He can come down over the slot. And then also he can guard tight ends in the slot as well. And then the Jets defense was historically bad last year, only had seven interceptions, mm-hmm. which was the second worst rate in the NFL. And then they were the worst defense in the league a year ago. So why not take a player like a Kyle Hamilton with the number four overall selection. And then you can go whichever route that you want to after that. This is a deep edge rusher class. You have four picks in the top 38 overall selections. So I don't think the Jets necessarily need to say they need to select a cornerback here or an edge rusher here or offensive lineman here with that number four overall pick. I think it's a situation of where they just need to collect and get the best player possible. And I think that's going to be Kyle Hamilton at number four overall. Yes, I know that won't be very popular with the Jets, but once again, Joe Douglas, if you're selecting a player inside the top 10, you want to make sure that you're going to hit on that pick. And I think Kyle Hamilton is one of the few, if not the only blue chip players in this draft class. So if you look back on Kyle Hamilton's career, Notre Dame, it was cut short this past year because of a knee injury. And there is this crutch that we sometimes fall upon during the pre-draft process where we go back and we point to one or two or five plays by a player and we just replay that play over and over and over again. And I think you can fall into a trap sometimes when that play is not emblematic of what that player really stands for. But I can guarantee you this. We're going to all rewatch Kyle Hamilton's interception in like the second game of this year against Florida Florida State, State. where he started off. He was he was in a deep safety alignment as on the right hash. And he once the ball was snapped, managed to work all the way from the right hash about 12 yards, 12 yards down the field to the far left sideline. And it's almost like he knew what the play was more so than the quarterback did. And I know that it's just one play, but I think what that play is emblematic of is some of the things that you just described is right. We're talking about unique range. Not often that we see a guy, you know, sometimes these safeties that are six foot three, 225 pounds are guys that we think of. And I, I hate to always lump him into the same category as somebody like Cam Chancellor, but like, you know, a guy that if you may play him at linebacker, he'd be fine. Kyle Hamilton, one of those unique players who I think maybe can be, if he needs to be your best free safety, he can be your best free safety. If you're playing against a team that's got a powerful running game and you need him to play as a linebacker, he can be that as well. Uh, the Jets certainly have a big need. You mentioned the, you know, obviously trading Jamal Adams as of right now. Marcus May is not scheduled to be back with the Jets next year. He's going to be a free agent after the franchise tag. Also coming off of that torn Achilles, so we wish him well in his recovery. That takes us to pick 10. And everything, once we move past like pick five, it's hard to predict exactly how the, the draft is going to shake out. Heck, it's hard to predict how the draft is going to shake out anyways. But amongst the players that as of January 18, 20th, what's say January 20th, um, guys that you think might be sort of good fits at pick 10 based on value and Jets needs. Who else comes to mind for you as a top 10-ish player for them? 
I think this comes down to cornerback, edge rusher, or wide receiver. I'll even throw that in there just because Corey Davis, I mean, he just hasn't been what they thought he would be when they signed him. And then they just don't have a lot of weapons outside of him. So Garrett Wilson is one that really intrigues me, the wide receiver from Ohio State. I think he would develop a really nice Wilson to Wilson combination in the Big Apple. I really like that combination there. So wide receiver is a direction they could go. They could go David Ajabo, the edge rusher from Michigan. I think he's another player that definitely could intrigue him. George Karloftis is another name that we'll hear, who's an edge rusher from Purdue. And then they could just take the best corner available that is on the board. And Joe Douglas isn't known to take cornerbacks very early. He kind of values those on day two or day three. But let's say they want to pair somebody opposite of Bryce Hall, who showed a lot of promise outside of this year. I really like somebody like an Amaz Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati mm. or even Andrew Booth Jr. I definitely think he could be on the board for them there from Clemson. I think he could be on the board there for them at the number 10 overall pick. So there's a lot of different directions they could go, but I think it comes down to cornerback, wide receiver, or edge rusher. It's uh, it, it's interesting that you mentioned Sauce Gardner. Mel just raved about him on Monday. He's a guy that even like his name has you intrigued. I know that's like such a ridiculous thing to mention, uh, but he's a guy who, when your name is Sauce, you got to have some swagger yeah. to you. And he plays like a guy who deserves the name Sauce Gardner. I know that his name is the least important part of his game, but uh, somebody whose nickname fits the bill, that much I should say. Uh, the Jets have a lot of different directions they can go. You mentioned four picks in the top 38. So it's not just the first round they can hit. I mean, they can literally land four starters in the first you know, first 40, well, 38 picks if they stay in pat. Uh, looks like this draft class last year is a very promising one for the Jets, especially if Zach Wilson gets on track. But uh, Olivera Tucker was a lockdown guard for them this year right away. And that was part of that move up that, uh, remember, Joe Douglas used that Seattle pick last year to move all the way up to pick 14 to get Vera Tucker. This past year's draft looks very, very favorable, at least of the first 16 or so picks. Let's go to the Giants. And as of this conversation, and I want people to be very clear uh, that this conversation is predating the Giants having a general manager or a head coach, and that could influence how they approach this. But one of the alluring parts of this job, and there are some other concerns about this job, but the Giants have two picks in the top seven. Let's start right there. Pick five and pick seven. How would you approach this if you, Jordan Reed, get that Giants job, which I would love that for you. Uh, selfishly, I'd little be a little bit disappointed because we couldn't be teammates anymore. But uh, I would ask for a 1% commission fee for whatever money you make from the Giants. And you know I definitely would give it to you. I'll probably okay. give you around 5%. That works. <laughs> but the New York Giants, I think what this – or these two picks, I should say, comes down to is that they have to figure out a way to improve in the trenches. Their trench play was just not good a season ago. Andrew Thomas definitely took the next step in his development. I know he got off to the rough start, but he proved to be that top five worthy type of offensive tackle that they selected a couple of years ago. So you have your left tackle spot pretty much shored up for the future. But outside of that, I think they need to improve along the offensive line. So why not get somebody like a Ikem Aquanu from NC State? I think he's one player that definitely could be in play or Charles Cross from Mississippi State. If you're looking for somebody to replace Matt Pert, I know he went down with a torn ACL during the final few weeks of the season. So it, I think it comes down to Charles Cross from Mississippi State, Ikema Kwanu from NC State, but also a player that I think could definitely throw a wrench into the entire draft is Tyler Linderbaum, the center from Iowa. He's a name that I think is going to start to enter the top 15 discussions, top 10, maybe a little bit too early, but we're talking about an elite type of center prospect. And we've seen how valuable centers are, especially for young quarterbacks. And they have a big decision to make with Daniel Jones. We'll see what ends up happening there with the new regime coming in. 
But centers have become such more valuable to these young quarterbacks, especially for them when they're entering into the league, trying to learn the game. Those centers can be kind of a security blanket. So Tyler Linderbaum with that seventh overall pick definitely could be somebody that is in play. This is going to be a little bit of an obscure analogy, but uh, now four drafts ago, the Lions used the eighth overall pick on TJ Hawkinson, who's a tight end. He went to Iowa, which happens to be where Linderbaum went or just finished up as well. Um, and I know that Hawkinson, he was great this past year. Uh, he, he's a really, really, really good player and looks like the kind of guy that's going to be a fixture in their offense for 10 years. Um, but the first couple the first year was not like, oh, my God, like this changed everything about our offense. I think sometimes those players that have high floors, you have to give them a couple extra years because it's no guarantee that right away they're going to come in and change everything. Like, I don't know that Linderbaum makes this Giants offense. Like, I think if you drafted just making this up, um, if th- there might be guys who you might notice the offensive difference more, but he's going to be a really good player for them for a long time. And that might be appealing to a new GM because I do believe this new GM is going to have time. There, No one is taking this job, at least in my estimation, thinking – all right, the Giants are here to compete in 2022. Like this might be a two to three to four, maybe even five year rebuild. So uh, hopefully this new GM is afforded that time that is deserved given the circumstances. So how about pick seven? I, I know we're not too far apart. So I'd imagine a lot of the same names you have in five are probably in play at pick seven. Uh, but this team really needs to hit both of these to turn things around because their cap situation, at least for this upcoming year, is going to make it difficult for them to be major players in free agency. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, Try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's pizza, better because it has to be. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah, I think it's a situation of where you could double up, double up, excuse me, on offensive line if that's the the route that you want to go. Just because this team has to get better in the trenches, but also you could look in the edge rusher. I think edge rusher is another area of where this defense needs to needs to improve a lot. Now we'll see what scheme that they elect to run with the new regime, new head coach that's coming in. But Patrick Graham's scheme, they like those stand up three four outside linebackers that are really twitchy on the edge. So I think somebody like a David Ajabo from Michigan could be in play at seven. And we've seen the rise that he has made this year. And, you know, his story is really interesting just because he's very similar to Adafi Owe, a player that we saw Mm. go in the first round. They actually played in high school together. They're both out of New Jersey and they went to a school called Blair Academy. And, 
he actually was the person that convinced David Ajabo to play football. He was just a soccer and a basketball guy growing up, but both of those guys went to school together. And he convinced him to play his junior year of high school. And he even admitted, like, he doesn't even know some of the rules of football. So he's really just out there getting by off of natural ability. But you see the twitchiness that is associated with him, the hands as a run defender, and then also a pass rusher. And he's just scratching the surface of where he can be or where he can go. So once again, another player that you said that I think has a high floor entering the league, but also has a little bit of boom or bust attached to him. But this team has to figure out a way to consistently generate pressure. But walking through the door, a Jabo can do that naturally. I think I'd be remiss not to ask you about Daniel Jones. You already mentioned how they have an interesting decision to make this upcoming offseason. So Daniel Jones is now three years into his career. They have to decide by a little after the draft whether to exercise that fifth-year option. We could have a whole podcast on whether it's the right or wrong decision. I've heard both schools of thought. Um, it's, this is not a no-brainer, right? This is not Patrick Mahomes where you're exercising the fifth-year option, but you're doing so as a placeholder until your extension is done. Uh, if you exercise the fifth-year option for Daniel Jones and he plays great next year, you have him on a bargain. If you exercise that fifth-year option and he doesn't play great next year, then you're in a Baker Mayfield situation right now where Cleveland is sitting here this offseason and they don't have their hands tied behind their backs. But nothing last year made it clear that Baker Mayfield is the answer long-term in Cleveland, and yet they still owe him nearly $19 million this year. So in terms of pure play, do you believe that Daniel Jones still has it, whatever it is, to be a long-term starter in the NFL? Or do you, is maybe this a player that was overdrafted in your estimation in the first place and really isn't a long-term option? Yeah, I thought six overall was rich for Daniel Jones. And then just going back to that class with him, Kyler Murray, and then also Dwayne Haskins. Kyler, I think, in my opinion, was clearly the type, top guy of that draft class. And then we can have debates forever as far as who was better between him and Haskins. I actually had Haskins higher than Daniel Jones, and we've seen – how Haskins has turned out and then how Daniel Jones has turned out in their career. I think the big issue with Daniel Jones is just the turnovers, the timely fumbles, and then just the untimely interceptions with him. That's something that has really has just plagued him throughout his career. So me personally, I wouldn't want to put myself in a Sam Darnold or a Baker Mayfield type of situation with extending the fifth year option. So you have them as a bridge to the next guy for this year. But after that, you put yourself firmly in play to, hopefully secure a quarterback in 2023 and we have a very talented quarterback class coming up I don't want to get too deep into that but as far as the future I think you use Daniel Jones as a bridge this year he's probably going to play decent which will probably still secure you a top 12 type of draft pick next year so I would keep Daniel Jones but after that I mean obviously he's holding over from the past regime too and then whatever a new regime comes in they're probably going to want to get their guys so you use Daniel Jones as a holdover until you can get your guy in 2023 and it's it's really it's it's a it's clear that this is not the year where there's an obvious top 5 or top 7 quarterback selection i'm not saying that one of those quarterbacks won't go there but if this exact same draft order and season preceded last year's draft then we're having a very different conversation about the Giants because the opportunity cost is, all right, listen, I might pick Justin Fields at pick five or Trey Lance or Mac Jones at pick five or pick seven. And that might change your decision-making versus this year where you're saying to yourself, like, I just don't know that 
as an example, Kenny Pickett is worth that seventh overall pick in the draft. So uh, it's a good opportunity for the Giants to potentially address other needs and string this Daniel Jones decision along one more year, which if they do, uh, as you mentioned, the 2023 draft class has a couple of really intriguing names. People might be aware of at least two of them, Bryce Young and CJ Stroud from Alabama and Ohio State sure look like they could be battling for that number one pick next season. So the Giants have an interesting decision to make. The good news is that they do have extra draft capital via the Bears. That much, that part certainly helps. And by the way, I think I said, did I say pick seven earlier? I think I meant pick. I did. Okay. Pick seven was correct. Yeah. Indeed. Pick seven was correct for the New York Giants. I got to memorize that draft order a little bit more precisely. So I don't question myself like that going forward. Uh, the last team that we haven't discussed is the Detroit Lions. And we know the Lions have a number two overall pick. Their next pick is still not conveyed as of yet. It will be via the Los Angeles Rams. And if the Rams, I should say this, if all four of the underdogs in the divisional round weekend lose, ESPN's FPI projects that the pick from the Rams to the Lions will be number 28 overall. So take that for what it's worth. It's somewhere in that 25 to 28 range, uh, somewhere in that 25 to 32 range, because the Rams could still win the Super Bowl. But let's start with that number two pick for the Lions and then move to that back end of the first round pick. Uh, Mel uh, made it clear earlier this week that you know he would be a Kayvon Thibodeau advocate at pick number two, assuming Aiden Hutchinson goes number one. What will be your feel about how Detroit should proceed with that second overall pick? It's going to be really interesting with Detroit just because I think everything is on the table with them outside of offensive line. I think they're set there and then interior defensive line just because they used two day two picks there a season ago when they brought in Aline McNeil and then Levi Owens-Arike. So I think they're set in the trenches as far as in the interior and then across the five positions up front along the offensive line. But Jacksonville at one, it really just depends on what they do, whether they take Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau. But I would not be surprised if they go Evan Neal, number one overall. I think that's something that you're going to start to see a little bit more frequently here during the lead up to the draft just because they need some help. At offensive tackle with Jawan Taylor entering the last year of his deal, Cam Robinson on the franchise tag and him likely probably not returning. So and then Walker Little came along really nicely during the back stretch of the year. But with Detroit, there's just so many interesting dynamics that could happen with this pick. So you could find yourself in a similar situation of where even if you have the number one overall pick, choosing either or between two of the top defensive ends with Kayvon Thibodeau or Aiden Hutchinson. If it were me, I would go with Thibodeau. I like Thibodeau's upside a little bit more than Aiden Hutchinson's. So I would go with Kayvon Thibodeau with the number two overall pick. But I want to give Dan Campbell some credit here. That team played so hard despite only winning three games this season. And then they also have a big decision to make at quarterback too. Jared Goff played, I would say, decent for some parts of the season. I think he's the perfect type of bridge quarterback to get you to the next guy. So it could be a situation with that second first round pick, wherever the Rams, uh, if they do end up winning the Super Bowl, wherever they do end up as far as their chase to the Super Bowl, what happens with that second first round pick? You could use that pick to take a quarterback in the back end of the first round, like a Malik Willis from Liberty or a Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati or even a Sam Howe from North Carolina. There's a lot of different directions that they could go with that. But 
you know, if, if I had to guess right now, I don't think they select a quarterback this year, honestly, just because I think they're happy with what they've seen from Jared Goff for one more season. So I think they go edge rusher at the top. And then it would surprise me if they go wide receiver with that second first round pick, just because all they have on the perimeter is Amonra St. Brown, who looked really, really good this year. So I think they need to go wide receiver and then either one of the edge rushers at the number two overall pick. Yeah, Monroe St. Brown was so good down the stretch. He looked like one of the best wide receivers in football for the final five weeks of the season. If the Lions do end up in a world where they take Kayvon Thibodeau, they would go back to the Oregon well. It certainly served them appropriately last year with Panay Sewell, their first pick under the Dan Campbell, and of course, Brad Holmes-led scouting department. So uh, I think they would be happy if they got another blue chip player from Oregon in back-to-back seasons. Again, we'll have a final update on where that Rams pick conveys once the Rams season comes to a conclusion. They play in Tampa Bay on Sunday. Of course, that game is in Tampa. All right. So that's great stuff from Jordan Reed. And we can't thank you enough. Again, you are not done here with the first draft. We're going to have you on throughout the pre-draft process. But in the meantime, remind people where they can find you and the best place to get all of your work. Yeah. So you can find me on Twitter at Jordan underscore Reed. That's J-O-R-D-A-N underscore R-E-I-D. No, I am not the former Washington football team. It happens all the time. (laughs) I get that a lot. So you can find me on Twitter there. And also I did want to say this, my next mock draft will be coming out the Monday after the Senior Bowl, and it will be a two-round mock draft. So be on the lookout for that. We still have a little bit of ways to go until that point, but I did want to put that in in the minds of our our listeners. So be on the lookout for that. But once again, you can follow me on Twitter at Jordan underscore Reed. That's R-E-I-D. I've loved the mock drafts. I've loved mock drafts for, I think I'm like a lot of people that love football. I've loved them since I can remember. It's just always been fun for me to project I always tell people that in some ways the NFL offseason can be just as fun as the season itself because you've got 32 franchises with hope, different levels of hope, but you do have hope. So Jaguars fans or Jets fans or Giants fans or Lions fans, you name it, anybody picking in that top five, Houston Texans fans, they actually have draft picks this year. They have some hope now because of the fact that they could potentially turn their franchise around. We have seen some of the best in the NFL Do that in a hurry with their rosters. Jordan, great stuff. We really appreciate you. A warm welcome to ESPN for those that are not not previously familiar with your work and can't wait to follow along. You're going to make all of us much smarter along the way. Absolutely. Thanks, Phil. Look forward to being here. Of course, and a reminder that first draft is now two days a week. How cool is that? And one of those days is Monday, where we are live at 2 p.m. Eastern time on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, the ESPN app, and of course, the audio podcast is always going to be available wherever you get your podcast. That's great stuff from Jordan Reed. Go follow him. We're back on Monday with more from First Draft.